You are listening to the Teleperformance Podcast on Spotify. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Guten Tag. Goeiedag. Konnichiwa. Ni hao. Buongiorno. A lot of languages. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today, about languages. So we're talking about simplifying multilingual customer support by joining human intelligence with artificial intelligence. And uh, my name is Danny Kuyvova. I'm the head of digital transformation for the Sumia region. And to discuss this topic, I've got with me Ed from Unbabel. Ed, can you introduce yourself? Of course. Danny, lovely to be with you as always. My name is Edmund Ovington. Uh, I'm lucky enough to lead partnerships here at Unbabel. Um, really happy to be here today. And uh, yeah, can't wait to get stuck into this really interesting topic. Excellent. So, so Ed, for, for people who don't know Unbabel, can you give a brief summary for what exactly Unbabel does? Of course. Um, so we're a, an organization that's focused on uh, the very base layer, removing language as a barrier to success. Um, and, you know, a macro level, that means helping GDP grow, helping remove some of the frustrations where um, opportunities don't come to certain parts of the world. But the first use case we've been tackling um, now for the past seven years is removing language as a barrier to amazing customer service, to amazing experience between the great brands we love and the customers that they want to serve, but sometimes don't do enough of. Um, and so we do that with a combination of technology and humans that we'll talk about today. Um, and we have had a lot of success in, in helping either fast growing companies get to other customers faster or helping already very large companies do it in a, just a slightly more optimized way, a little bit more efficient, um, uh, less worrying about having to, you know, cover all the shifts 24 seven of every single language, um, having to, you know, sometimes pay incredible uh, costs for native agents in certain languages. And also, honestly, sometimes providing subpar service to certain languages, which is obviously not okay in 2021. Um, and so we're here to solve that problem very elegantly. And, uh, and yeah, we partner with organizations like Teleperformance to do exactly that. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I really like your reference that. So at Teleperformance, we say we're, we're a high tech, high tech, high tech, high touch company. So we use uh, cool new technology out there to uh, help our brands that we serve, our agents uh, to uh, have a better experience and basically exceed expectations. Uh, so you were mentioning that Unbeable does the combination of technology and human as well. So how does that work? So um, it's worth starting with the agent being at the center of everything. So so we're not changing um, how customer service is done very impressively by most brands. They have an incredible agent in a location that they prefer doing the work, often with a partner like Teleperformance. And what we do is we supercharge that agent. We we empower them um, with a technology that really is just delivered via an API, if you want to boil it down to a crude level, in the back of whatever system they're using, maybe that's Zendesk or Salesforce. And what it means is whenever that agent gets any form of digital communication, that could be an email or that could be a chat, we automatically translate it into the agent's preferred language. So say a Chinese ticket comes in um, and simplified written Chinese and the agent uh, is based in Bangalore and speaks English, they get it in English. They then reply. And what it does is it goes on the way out back to the Chinese customer through a couple of steps in our pipeline. So the first one is 
highly customized machine translation. So this is really um, machine translation like we know and love in things like Google Translate, but enterprise grade. So we've adapted it with the terms, the specificities of the, the, the jargon of that industry, and also things like product names that you might or might not want to translate. We then on top of that have another layer almost of quality assurance, which is where we have the ability to send it through one of our tens of thousands of native post editors in real time. So we have the ability to then ping it to a, a crowdsourced um, set of professionals who then just read it through, make any tweaks, just make sure it sounds fluid and native without the agent who was doing the work in the first place having to change how they work at all. The Chinese customer at the end then gets in their experience, maybe a chat response um, very fast, or maybe an email response in the normal turnaround time that is native quality. Um, uh, and the, the experience really for the customer is exactly like it would be normally uh, with a native agent. So all of the benefits um, that we'll talk about today um, actually come to really to the brand and to the organization who is serving this because it's just much easier, actually much more cost, cost effective and many other um, positive things in terms of efficiency and, and agility um, to do it this way rather than the old way. Um, and obviously for the end consumer, they don't care. They just get a great customer experience. You know, we see that CSATs are either the same or more or higher. Sorry, um, we see that average handling times for the agents are the same, um, and we see that um, uh, the SLAs for the customer are usually better because actually it's easier to have a, one of maybe you know a thousand English speaking agents responding quicker rather than one of your very few Norwegian speakers um, who who are struggling to cover the twenty four hour shift. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And so um, perhaps we can discuss a bit more about quality because obviously uh, we talk to a lot of uh, businesses as well. And um, the experience that I have is that uh, AI translation has sort of a bad reputation. Uh, you know, people just think on the Google Translate they, they have used in the past. And, uh, you know, is that technology there uh, to uh, serve my customers? Is that good enough? Um, so... Uh, how do you look at that from a quality perspective? How can you guarantee the quality is good enough to serve their customers? So there's a, a few layers we think about this on. So um, you're absolutely right. Most of our anchor, most of the context we have is Google Translate. And the way I describe Google Translate, which you know is an investor in Unbabel, is that um, it's very good for talking to your grammar. I just, I sort of sum it up like that. It's great. Like it, it's come on leaps and bounds over the last couple of decades as well, where um, it's become quite smooth. But the problem is some of the critical errors and definitely some of the enterprise grade messaging gets lost and, and you end up with a slightly awkward situation, especially in some Asian languages and others. Um, so what do we do? We have um, three approaches that really differentiate us from technologies like that. Number one is that at the machine translation level, we hard code, as I call it, or codify in a lot of rules that are very specific to the way that a company wants to talk to their customers. So a good example of that would be uh, Japanese formality, making sure that there is um, the ability for the company to decide how they want to respond. And that, by the way, might be based on the nature of the inquiry, of course. Um, also to make sure that product names and um, industry-specific sentences are locked in. They're always translated in a specific way because actually that has meaning to the way you're answering the question, maybe a technical support inquiry or similar. And the ability for us to bake in literally thousands of those rules um, 
and and have um, have a huge customer base that allows us to build those rule sets is very powerful in itself. But as you rightly say, sometimes that's not enough. Custom, uh, machine translation does have this bad reputation. And so that's why actually we have this human who is truly a native in the language they're translating to, if you like. And so that means that they get to actually see it almost with a QA step, like they're the end customer and say, is this okay for a customer experience interaction? And we obviously give them the context, you know, that maybe this is an airline and this is someone with a lost bag or whatever. There's a high likelihood of emotion. And that allows us to have the human quality assurance step for making sure that this is robust. And then at the very, very macro level, we actually have um, uh, an industry leading and proprietary um, system called Comet, which allows us to score all of every, the, everything I mentioned. So really allows us to look at it and using, again, another piece of um, AI, look at the output and say, is this good enough? And how many critical, how many minor errors, but not in the academic sense that often languages looked at through, but in a customer service sense. Is this a outcome that will help the customer get the resolution as fast as they need with the clarity they need? And that's what's important because customers don't care about having a Shakespeare prose. In fact, they'd be very concerned if they got it back. They want their answer clearly given so that they can get on with their life or get on with their package or get on with their flights or log into the hotel. Uh, and that's really, that's really the um, chain of events that happens when the unbabble piece of the pie um, uh, is there. Um, and obviously we have other things like anonymization for PII and things that are very important as well, um, allowing us to holistically provide a very elegant service so that the agent just carries on with their work and, uh, and the customer has a great experience. That's excellent. So that's where Teleperformance and Nambebo are quite similar. That's basically the people who work with the tech are basically our secret souls, right? So um, we, we, you were mentioning the fine tuning, right? And and uh, I think for people who have experience with, let's say, uh, uh, machine learnings and things like that, the fine tuning is like uh, could be the essence and, and sometimes just looks like a, a big mountain to climb. So on an average, if you're are implementing a, a new project, how much time goes into that fine tuning? It's a great question. So uh, in pre-deployment, if you want to sound a little bit technical, aka before we go live, there's a huge amount, right? We're spending a lot of time taking uh, existing chats or emails and training models, testing those models, retraining them and getting it up to the point where this is just a great experience. Also, um, you know, during those first few weeks, we would always look very closely with linguists at the idiosyncrasies, the things that are appearing, the, the things that, you know, weren't in the glossary that maybe should have been, and, and we're catching those. So that's that's all very standard stuff, literally the same with every technology worldwide when you implement it. Um, the really secret source we've got is that we have a organic feedback loop baked into the DNA of the product. And what that is, is that every time one of those humans I mentioned, the natives, actually does um, a change that gets then fed back to the the neural model the machine translation itself and so that has a um, consistently evolving um, behavior that allows us to keep in trend with the market and so so what we can do is that that itself will will sort of adapt to maybe new language or new colloquialisms or whatever might be happening out there just in the world generally and then on top of that we can feed in um, in a pretty systematic way, 
any new products, any new terms, any new, um, you know, uh, strange phrases that suddenly appear thanks to TikTok or whatever it might be out there, um, we can um, we can bake those in in real time. And so what you end up with is actually a very robust system that continues to learn and evolve over time, almost on its own, um, thanks to the way it's built. Uh, and, and this actually helps us stay with stay with trends and stay with, you know, quite fast moving companies that we work with, to be honest. That's interesting. And, and earlier you mentioned, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention it because uh, there's a question here a lot is that you redacted the, like uh, company information, PII. Um, so how does that exactly work? It's, yeah, it's it's incredibly important. We, we are an enterprise first company and actually over the course of our um, seven years we've really moved from working with lots and lots of fast growing companies to working very heavily with very large companies which is great for some reasons and horrendous for others but one of them is the pii requirements and which we all demand as consumers these days from our brands that we love um and so we have a very robust system that strips out any pii anywhere in the pipeline replaces it with a token so tokenizes it and then replaces it at the end, just before it goes into the end customer portal, so email or whatever it might be, and then purges it from our system. Um, and that has allowed us to scale all of the common types of PII, but also layer in anything specific to that company, whether that be a password or whatever it might be, um, uh, in a very robust way. And actually, it's it's interesting. We When we work with a, an organization like one of your clients, Initially, there's a little bit of trepidation about this, right? It sounds a bit scary. It's like, oh, okay, you're an AI and human company um, dealing with customer data. I'm not sure I like this. But actually, when they start to look at the object level tracking of what actually happens, it's fine. We end up getting marked as low risk. And um, uh, even very large fintech companies um, are delighted to work with us, which is which is great. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, one more final question on quality. So uh, if we're talking about a, a synchronous channel like chat compared to an asynchronous channel like email, uh, as, a, as a business, do I have to do a concession on the quality there? So it's an interesting question. And the real answer is yes. Uh, you do have a, um, uh, a reality where if you want things in true real time, the the onus is on speed and you've made that decision for your consumer you you said that the consumer would would reap more benefit from a fast translation than a perfect translation um however that doesn't mean it's low quality and i i'll explain what that means so we um for our synchronous efforts do the human element after the fact right so what we do is every day or every week take the um uh, the the words that have flown flowed through the system and have them go through the humans and then train the agents so that so the engine keeps getting better. But obviously, we've done a lot of training up front before that even started. Um, however, what's really interesting is that my, my CEO talks a lot about something called the resilience of chat, right? And the resilience of chat is really that um, if me and you are having a conversation in chat anyway, back and forth, we're using quite short, concise sentences, really being quite fluid. And also we're sort of in tune with the other person. So if you if you did um, a small error, like forgot to put a capital uh, letter, I wouldn't be offended and horrendously, uh, you know, it wouldn't be detrimental to your brand. Um, and so 
actually our quality quality of translation is very good but and what's very very interesting is across all of our chat customers we either see the same csat as a native speaker or higher and what this really shows is that actually because of the rules we've hard coded into our synchronous solution like by the way making sure capitalization is done properly like making sure that there's a full stop at the end of the sentence and all punctuation is perfect because that's easy to hard code into a machine translation actually we offer slightly better an experience than you would normally get um, with a chat agent because the chat agent might be doing a few agent a uh, few chats at the same time and you know it's quite fluid and it's actually okay to make mistakes as long as the customer's getting what they want in a fast manner and so it's kind of an interesting thought process, but what you end up when you use a great chat agent and Unbabel together is actually a better experience than you would normally across all languages. And this is where our customers sort of end up trying us out with maybe three languages, German, French, you know, one of their big ones where they're, we're struggling with peak volumes and then doubling down and building maybe a, um, uh, we we call them chat armies sometimes, but a bigger presence in in the Philippines or in India with teleperformance with Unbabel on top that is much more operationally scalable for the some of their their you know super busy seasons at Christmas or a Black Friday or whatever it might be, um, and uh, and and sort of the partnerships evolve in that direction. Excellent. All right, so I think it's time to talk some business now. So. If you look at the you know the business out there or the type of client, so what client or or brand or let's well not let's not go into brand, but the verticals would be a no brainer to use this type of technology. Yeah, so we've had huge success in some of the very obvious industries. Um, they are travel, and travel is obviously incredibly interesting because it's had the hardest year of recent existence in 2020. Um, but we're, we're really starting to see that our, our airlines, our hotel groups and our OTAs are coming back as of now, um, uh, especially with some of the vaccination um, news that's happening. And that's getting pretty exciting. So so we'll, we'll help them recover and help them be more efficient as they grow back to their previous size. E-commerce, of course, has just blown up since we've all been locked in our houses and getting way too many boxes from our friend Jeff. So um, the uh, the number of um, e-commerce companies, both very large and fast growing, has blown up that we're helping. Um, we also have a huge presence in gaming, where gaming is interesting because they can suffer from quite big spikes when they do releases or whatever might happen. And so we, um, we've been doing a, a lot with gaming companies, both mobile and more traditional gaming organizations, um, even peripheral organizations like um, Logitech, um, who are one of our case studies on our website, um, are, are pretty powerful. And then um, we have also um, some domestic markets like Germany that we naturally help. Um, you know, Germany and the Netherlands are good examples of we're actually getting um, people to work in call centers for sustained amount of times. So it's kind of tough, right? It's uh, it's expensive, and they they want to leave after six months because they want to go and do other things. It's just a reality of the world. Um, and so we're helping some very large organizations in those countries um, move to either nearshore or or offshore models with Unbabel to kind of balance out and alleviate some of the operational stress they have. Yeah, interesting, interesting, and uh, I think fully agree with you. Just where I could see those uh, those technology would work in in those verticals. Um, so we tend to see the same, right? So high volume uh, that that will work, uh, but where the technology itself 
uh, lends itself uh, very good for as well as in for those let's say that odd languages those very small languages where currently as a company we would have one or two people sitting overnight just to be there for that single question that comes in overnight uh, uh, would that still work from a business case perspective if you would serve those type of uh, languages yeah if you look at most of our larger um, customers they do exactly that they have they have us helping with the very high volume languages that are just naturally expensive you know german japanese being two great examples but then we help them really round out the operations smooth out the operations if you like of of the norwegians of the other uh, languages where yeah you're right they might not be able to have people there 24 7 and keep it a, a sort of a good PL on on the way they're looking after that piece of business um, because of the the spotty nature of those languages. And so we help them have you know a few agents who are dealing with all the Nordic languages, or a couple of agents who are dealing with all the North uh, Northern Europe languages, or all of the uh, Romantic languages, or all of the Southeast Asian languages. Um, uh, and that really is uh, an exciting part of um, what we do. Is where you walk into a call center, you might be in India. And you'll see the flags hanging down and these ag- this set of agents will be looking after these languages and the, uh, this set of agents looking after these languages. And it's just so much easier if you're a, an operational leader for a large brand to not have to manage shift patterns and frankly hiring um, around languages and really just be able to hire people based on their skill. And this is if you really boil down why on earth we exist. It's because everyone who's a CS leader in the world would love to just hire people based on skill alone. Like that's it. Just, just how good are you? Just forget language, and then have them give an equal service to every single one of their customers. And that's where that's really the macro trend where we're taking things is to uh, is to allow whether it's about small languages and that them being a problem and very expensive and just being an irritation and maybe a company's even considering turning off languages because it just doesn't make business sense or whether it's a new company moving into new markets and, and wants to try them out faster, or whether it's just a very large company who just struggles to maintain 12 vendors across 25 different locations, and it's all based on language availability, we can help all of that. Um, we just make people's lives a little easier. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, FTP, our, our, our clients are used to getting uh, good customer service feedback, so high MPS, uh, those type of things, um, and uh, so you know, they are not willing to do a concession on that. So, uh, what's your experience so far with using uh, translation AI uh, on, on on keeping those customer satisfaction scores up? And honestly, this is the only reason we exist, right? If we if we negatively impacted NPS or CSAT, we'd be in big trouble, and people would just laugh at us. So, so the beauty of all of the things we have talked about so far, but also you know. Picking high. The great thing about this is we allow you to double down on the best agents, and so it's not all about unbabble. This is about having great agents empowered by technology, and so what that means is across the board. You know, we only ever make a promise to maintain CSAT or NPS. We're not trying to exceed it, but actually, in most cases, with our strategic partners, we do see five, even ten, and sometimes. 20 point increases in how happy their customers are however they measure that um, and that's really what keeps our business growing at this slightly extraordinary rate is that we we sort of um under promise and over deliver if you like in terms of those elements the, the things that matter you know are you going to impact productivity no great are you going to maintain or uh, not negatively impact 
um, our customer happiness. Yep, great. Are the agents going to love it? Yep, great. And will you save me some money? Yep, great. And that's how we win the business case. Excellent. Yeah, so, so if you look at the technology right now, so it works best where... Uh, one of the language pairs is going to be English, right? So uh, currently, uh, we can look at the most talented agents as long as they speak English. So any prediction from you here, how far we are away from not looking at language as a factor at all, just look, picking the best people? Um, great question. So we're, we're definitely dipping our toes in the water to that effect. We, by nature, have most of our customers using us uh, with an English-based language um, for the agent, which just makes sense. And it's just it's more of a reflection of um, the economics, if you like, that the, the English agents are quite often the lowest cost. But we are starting to experiment with other languages, um, Polish, French, Spanish as base languages. And we'll be starting to roll them out later this year to a, a more wide audience. And then, yeah, I imagine we're only a couple of years away for that not being an issue at all. Um, uh, some of you who are more language fanatics will have seen that companies like um, Facebook have released new machine translation, very much consumer facing right now, so not ready for this kind of context, um, but it, that is paired up with a huge number of different variables uh, in terms of which language you go from and to. And I think that's really a, a theme of the future is that we, we've removed language is a barrier to business decision making and we're doing very well at that but actually we need to remove language as a barrier to the world to everyone's relationships to you know whether it's a dating app or whether it's an e-commerce company whether it's a uh, um a people in a restaurant whatever it might be um that is the key Oops, sorry. I drop my um and and yeah i if you were forcing me to put a timeline on it it feels like we're only a couple of couple of years away from that yeah, it's, if you look at how, how fast it goes, the, uh, only if you look at the quality of the translations compared to a couple of years back. Uh, so when I started looking into it, I was really surprised on how much it has advanced over the last couple of years. Um, again, so a lot of uh, uh, brands would you know would take the step not uh, uh, only to serve their customers better, but also uh, you know looking for a cost saving there. Uh, so from an efficiency perspective. Uh, What's your experience on uh, integrating in client tools? We, we, see, we see that discussion a lot at Teleperformance. So how can we make sure that the, uh, the technology works best without having any copy-pasting or, uh, you know, uh, which direction I'm heading for? Yeah, so in terms of um, efficiency, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a key criteria. You know, we really can't impact in the long run any agent productivity. It, it, it's... it's your business, your world at TP, and all call centers are, are set up in a very specific way based on numbers. And if we start to negatively impact the numbers, we get kicked out of the room. Um, and so what we do is we have very elegant integrations with all of the major providers. So whether that is um, Salesforce Service Cloud, Zendesk, even Intercom, Freshdesk, Customer with a K, uh, many others, Oracle, Service Cloud, we we effectively have off-the-shelf integrations that take little or no effort to um, turn on, configure, and the agents can start using them immediately. There's very little change management, which is something that I'm very proud of, is that we don't disrupt anything. Um, other companies obviously use proprietary systems, and with that, we have a clean set of APIs that allows us to plug into them or allows them to plug us into them if they don't want to let us touch their system, which is often the case. And um, 
Uh, and that again is, you know, talking about hours and days of work rather than weeks of work. So usually that's not uh, a barrier to success. But what we do have um, is a kind of a web-based solution that if that that integration is taking some time or, or a company's not sure we want to put the resources behind it quite yet for the first month or so, we can allow the agents to use um, a web-based version of Unbabble. And as you say, copy and paste into their, um, uh, their CRM. And actually, agents are so amazing at the way they use um, keyboard shortcuts that usually that turns into a no-impact situation on productivity as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and you, you also mentioned at the beginning of that question about the business case and about the cost savings. And it's, it's worth talking here um, about the real numbers because we, um, we obviously see a spectrum of savings from our customers. But what's, what's most powerful is that, you know, if you look at the extreme going from somewhere expensive, like may, maybe the Netherlands or maybe the, the, the Nordic countries in, in country servicing with an agent there to a TP agent in India with Unbabble on top, you are looking at usually between 45 and 75% TCO savings. And this is, you know, this is start, stuff that starts to make the CEO stand up in our customers and go, hold on, did you just say that? Because that, that's actually meaningful money and we're in an interesting place because because of this pandemic um and then as you start to come down the chain maybe you're moving from a um a great multilingual hub near shore to uh, a low-cost location or maybe you're actually not ready to move from um uh, a high uh, cost location to a low-cost location you're actually looking more to just double down on your best agents maybe they're in you know, Eastern Europe or wherever it might be, um, we're still looking at you know between ten and forty percent savings on the TCO uh, footprint, which is which is really powerful and allows us to cut through some of the, you know, is this a nice to have conversation? Um, because their bare bones savings, that's literally just moving from one agent to another agent. That's not factoring in brick and mortar savings. That's not factoring in less managers. That's not factoring in the cost of attrition because some uh, country, uh, sorry, some native speakers from certain la languages and countries will want to move on every six months by nature. That's not definitely not factoring in the upside on the top line that comes with um, a better CSAT focus, serving more customers faster, and generally being available to more languages. And so when you put together the full business case, and, you know, we pair it with usually existing high performing agents from a partner like TP, and we come together as a force, it's, it's impossible for a customer to say no, we're just a very clear path to the future. And we allow companies to really achieve what they wanted to anyway, faster. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, for the excessive answer, um, I've got one more question. So, uh, recently, Gartner released a report on the AI translation, and uh, one of their recommendations is to do tiers in your uh, in your workflows. So, basically, saying you know, uh, make it a, a, a segregation into your uh, uh, let's say uh, level of quality that you want to provide on certain questions. And, and I think at TP we also look, so we have the value interaction matrix. So we're looking at how much value is the interaction and is a customer better served by a human or is the customer better served by the quickest answer? Uh, and, and, and there where we make that differentiation saying, all right, so this is about uh, complaints. So we, you know, we want to make sure that there's a human contact. This is just a question that the customer just needs to know. Let's see if they can self-serve themselves to give them the answer. So, uh, uh, is there any uh, project that comes to mind where you do those type of tiering or is it usually 100% of the volume? 
No, it's a, it's a very astute question. So I'd say that every single one of our customers sees us through that lens where they're already tiering their, their interactions, their customer profile types, and they're already deciding what's the level that we should automate completely and what's the level that should retain with humans. And so we sit normally in that maybe 50 to 70% of the humans categories. And what the reason I say that um, very clearly is that we absolutely believe that humans should still be there. There should, for, for whether it's very complex things or, or whatever, or VIP customers or whatever, however you see the world, you should have native humans who can pick up the phone. And we're not trying to change that. But we, what we're saying is that there's a load of stuff underneath that before you automate in the middle, which is honestly the bulk of interactions where you do need a human, but you don't need to pick up the phone that we can serve. And this obviously, you tie this into all of the Gartner macro trends about moving from voice to messaging. You talk about whether the company is you know, deciding to have more of a synchronous or an asynchronous messaging experience, whether it's in-app or still just on the website, um, whether it's actually a blend of um, you know, emails and social DMs that's coming in, whatever, whatever that looks like there is going to be stuff that you should completely automate stuff that you should definitely pick up the phone and then the middle and we're the middle. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Ed. Um, just want to give you the opportunity. So what questions should I've asked you that I haven't asked you uh, <laughs> so far yet? No, you've done really well. Um, I think you've covered everything I could have ever thought of. The only, um, <laughs> the only super power tip that I'd add to this is, if you're an organization who is thinking about how do you start this, um, I'll take one of our largest customers. They just explained to me beautifully that all they did is they stacked ranked their most expensive and biggest languages. So they literally just said, okay, wh what is costing us the most and what is the highest volume? And they made a, a stack rank. And that's the order we kind of proof concept and then built out and then deployed to full scale with. And it became very easy. And often it just starts with, frankly, German. Let's get stuck in. Um, and the other super superpower tip is to just very simply take a bunch of agents already doing that work really well and test out with them. Whether that's just five FTEs, 10 FTEs, 20 FTEs, it doesn't matter. Let's start small. Let's just allow them to also pick up German tickets. And then you can do a double AB test, right? You can test them against themselves and you can test them against the native speakers. Get that confidence because we know change is hard. We know that your executives are going to think this is a strange idea and you're trying to buy expensive Google Translate and completely transform how you've always done things. And so let's prove it in a very healthy way, which now Teleperformance and Babel have, have got some really nice examples of. And then let's scale it and let's change how you do things and make your lives easier. All right. Thank you very much, Ed. So Great I would stuff. like to wrap it up. Uh, so thanks for joining us. I hope you find this very informative. And if there's any questions or you need to know, or just reach out and uh, see you soon. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. What about you? How did you like it? Go ahead and share this podcast. See you later. Teleperformance on Spotify. Feel the connection.